listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another new episode of ESL Talk. We hope you've had the chance to listen to last week's episode on building connections, which was a great way to set the tone to our season. Don't you think so, Daniel? I do indeed. I thought it was a really um, insightful episode. I learned a lot and it was really good to have two expert guests on here for the first mm -hmm. time. We've had two, two guests, so right. it was awesome. And uh, yeah, a lot more uh, great interviews to come this season. Mm. And remember that if you want to stay in the know and get early access to new episodes, extra content, one-to-one -one monthly teaching webinars, mentoring, exclusive free merchandise, join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash ESL talk. Wow. Yeah. For this week's topic, we're going to be sharing our experiences teaching lower levels from literacy to low intermediate students. And we're also going to be talking to Nicole, a teacher from the U.S. who has a lot of experience helping immigrants and international students at the most basic levels of English. Yeah, so many of us end up, you know, working with these students um, throughout our career. Maybe we started that way or we ended up going to that to that level. Um, so there's a lot of challenges and a lot of things to consider. So let's start off today by discussing this among ourselves, Faye, first mm -hmm. of all. Um, obviously, at the moment, we both currently work with more advanced students, um, but what kind of experiences have you had with lower levels? Yeah, actually, I hadn't had any experience until moving to Canada. So when I taught in Brazil, it was mostly with advanced or intermediate to advanced level students. And it was funny because at, during my um, TESOL certificate program, we had to do our practical teaching lessons, right? The practicum part and observed lessons. And the lesson was to immigrants uh, mostly, mm -hmm. and they were mostly elderly ladies from China and Korea, uh, some at literacy levels. And when we mean literacy means they, they can't even write the alphabet, right? Our alphabet, wow. because they have mm -hmm. their own characters in their language. And some of them were like, they could carry a basic conversation but I found that quite challenging because it was totally out of my comfort zone. But, you know, I, I love a challenge and I did my best. And then I ended up getting hired by the same school where I took the certificate uh, program and they put me straight into elementary level because I did well during my course. And I kind of got, I wouldn't say stuck there, but I ended up being there for about six months because um, mm. students liked my classes, but I actually, I'm not a huge fan of lower levels because I find that they're really difficult. Mm -hmm. For me, they, they take on, it, it takes a lot of energy 
You mean mentally? Yeah, mentally. And also Mm -hmm. I feel physically tired because I feel like I'm always smiling because you want to be so encouraging to your students and, you know, you want to be patient and all that. So I really admire teachers that are uh, experts at the lower levels because it is something I find incredibly challenging. What has that Mm -hmm. been like for you, Daniel? Yeah, I kind of started out, I guess, the first five, six, seven years of my teaching career was pretty much lower levels. Um, So as I mentioned a lot, I was in Korea for four years. Um, Even when I worked in the UK, the schools that I worked at, it was a lot of students who had English as a second or third or fourth language. So very, very low proficiency levels, getting a hang of the basics, um, you know, trying to help them to function more than actually, you know, succeed for for work or business or university was more just a case of speaking and yeah exactly survival Mm -hmm. um and then kind of like you i had groups of 30 or 40 students in a class and these are like middle high school middle school high school age Mm -hmm. so i have 30 plus rambunctious teenagers (laughs) who have from zero english to good conversational level of english that i've got to plan for teach for prepare for uh it was intense really intense but it really built a lot of resilience, a lot of adaptability. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to kind of be able to prepare things and plan things and teach things um, that, that worked, even if they weren't the most successful, but it definitely helped me a lot later on in my career when mm-hmm. I got to the higher levels. True. Yeah. I mean, it just, it's skills that you can use for any level, right. but what do you think is the biggest difference between your teaching style when you're teaching beginners and advanced students? So my personality is, um, I wouldn't say I'm super serious when I teach. Um, I'm quite relaxed. I'm quite conversational. I like to add humor and, and jokes mm-hmm. and context. So it, it's actually really useful for my more advanced students. Right. But at low levels, like you mentioned, you can't do that. You just have to stick to the rules and ABC, mm-hmm. literally and metaphorically, yeah. um, you know, go step by step. So I think the biggest difference again is is also with the students is a level of frustration yeah some of them really want to do well and mm-hmm. they have the knowledge and they have the ideas and they're very intelligent in their own language yeah but for whatever reason they just haven't been able to improve much in english and that's a real challenge the expectations mm-hmm. are way different if i'm if i'm working with a student whose english level is almost zero mm-hmm. but they need to get a an ielts 7 for immigration or for university then yeah gonna be really tough but Hugely. if i'm if I'm working with a PhD student from, uh, I don't know, from let's say Mexico, who has already a really good level of English, they've done presentations, they've done conferences, they've presented and, and wrote in English for a long time, then not a huge deal, not a huge mm-hmm. amount of pressure. Right. Um, so those are my examples uh, in, in, that, in that case. But what do, you, what do you think the biggest difference is? Um, I mean, in terms of how I behave, I, like you said, I find I am definitely more literal. Um, I, I am more aware of the language I use and I try mm. to be, I try to grade my language a lot more. And I always tell my advanced students that I do not slow down. I speak at my normal speed in my classes when I'm teaching, especially for Cambridge prep. Do or, you? It, I do actually. <laughs> it's just funny. I, I, you definitely stress your words more, mm. right? You, you try to be clear in that sense. Like almost like when you're presenting. To even right. to a, a group of native speakers, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, that's basically how I teach normally. But when you're teaching lower levels, you're, I'm definitely more conscious of that. And like you said, I feel like I can't really joke as much or right. be as punny. You can't really show yourself. 
as yeah. much, right? Yeah, yeah. and that's how students yeah. feel too. Like you said, it's like they, their personality is not the same. Because their levels are just not there, which can be, yeah, definitely very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think it's possible to have meaningful interactions? We talked about connections last week. Do you think it's possible to have those meaningful interactions when students have a very limited range of vocabulary? Yeah, I, I would say definitely, because language isn't just what's, you know, spoken verbally. Um, a lot of it's body language, um, expressions, um, context is huge. This is the biggest thing that I most yeah. valuable tool that English learners can can master is context. Mm-hmm. So depending how you frame the activities and you frame what you do in the class, I think you can still have really good interactions. You can have a good conversation without saying many words. And there's some activities I've tried where you need to have a conversation without saying anything like, you know, you can play games like charades or those kinds of activities, which are more um, physical, mm-hmm. and that can be helpful. And then I think as well, meaningful can be can be achieved with very simple um, language, very simple vocabulary, you know, yeah. things like ex- emotions, feelings, those kinds of things, we can yeah. still express those in a simple way. So I, I think it's definitely possible for sure, um, when you're working with with those learners. But for, for you, Faye, when you're working with kind of different languages in a multilingual setting, you have that multilingual class. Um, what strategies do you use to make sure they can understand each other well? Yeah, that can be definitely a challenge because when you have a class of like five different nationalities and everybody's mm-hmm. working with very, very basic English and you still want them to get to know each other and, you know, right. and do those things. So yeah, like you said, context, I always try to do fun activities like describing a picture Mm-hmm. and things like that just to kind of break the ice and then basic getting to know you questions um like like we were talking about survival english yes but very guided i think that's just it takes more guidance from us but just things like we give them a list of different hobbies or you give them a list of different things you do in your free time or you know and they can they, they don't have to come up with all of the language on their own mm-hmm. and then give them some of some simple questions to ask each other so that they can find out or even simple things like trying to I used to make students write sentences about themselves put it around the room and they have to guess whose sentences they were you know because then they give them time to think about their sentences you can help them write them so you still can they can still create those connections but it's definitely more of a challenge there can be a lot more misunderstandings in the class Mm. but I think it's a good opportunity for peer editing peer reviewing those Mm -hmm. kinds of group tasks and small pad work that could be really useful in this context right yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah so again like obviously you you grew up and you worked in brazil and you were started off there and i've worked in korea um mm-hmm. as well so this was always a big challenge for me i don't know what, yeah. it, what it was for you how did you make sure students didn't use their first language all the time when they're in a class um you know it's funny i always remember this one of the first groups i taught and they were intermediate level in brazil but they were so used to speaking Portuguese to each other. A lot of them were friends outside the class and mm. they would always try to speak English to me, sorry, Portuguese and speak Portuguese to me as well. And I actually brought in candy one day and I gave each student three pieces of candy. They were, these were adults. And I told them that every time they said anything in Portuguese, they would lose a candy. Wow. And the first class, there were like two or three of them that had no candy by the end of it. And it was funny because the other students would like make fun of them and tease them a bit. And then over time, after a couple of classes, I didn't even need the candy anymore right, because right. they just stopped using 
Portuguese and they realized they didn't need it. So I find that sometimes we have to get a bit creative in our strategies because just telling them not to use it or punishing them when they do is not going to cut it. So mm-hmm. I, used to, I think just kind of making something like funny like that or a fun activity um, yeah. or doing like a point system or a star system if they're kids, right? And stuff like right. that, because right. obviously they're going to try because it's going to be easier for them. Have you done something similar before? Yeah, um, I did because obviously I was in Korea. I was in a class with all Korean students, Korean co-teacher who was translating for me. So, wow, it was really difficult. Um, again, like you, I had my my carrot, well, candy, not a carrot, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I had that there. And then again, I used that as, okay, if, and again, every class had a class president or like a class leader and they mm-hmm. would police the class for me. So I'd say to that one student, all right, I have Faye, I have this, this box here. Everyone can pick something out of here, provided that I don't hear any Korean in the class, like except mm-hmm. for when it's necessary, right? Or if I hear a really good answer. So I was trying to encourage them that way because no one wants to lose out or no one wants to be the student that messes it up for everyone else. So a little bit brutal, <laughs> but right. it worked True, and it got but... results. Um, mm. And when you show them the value of how it can help and, and model it, uh, I think that really helps as well. So I think yeah, it's just making them see right the difference mm-hmm. it makes once they don't use their mother yeah. language, right? And then yeah. and sometimes that's what it takes. And the biggest the biggest thing that you know the, the most common thing I hear from students is I I keep thinking in my first language. That's the that's the, right. the barrier. Well, if you start to try using only English and thinking mm-hmm. only in English, then that will help you hopefully improve very quickly Precisely. to a very high level. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we're now going to hear from our special guest today, Nicole. She's going to share with us her secrets and her tips for teaching lower-level students. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, Nicole. Thank you so much for joining us today on ESL Talk. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really glad you could join us today to talk about something that so many of us teachers struggle with and experience, which is the lower levels. So to start off, could you tell us a little bit about your teaching journey and how you ended up specializing in teaching students at these beginner levels? Yeah, so I was always interested in education. Um, and in high school, I was in a program called Future Teachers of America, where I was helping my Spanish teacher. And a Brazilian family came to my school, and they speak Portuguese, as you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I also started helping them out in English. And so then I kind of fell in love with it. I said, wow, I really like this because I can help people from all over the world. Um, people coming over here or, of course, online, we can help them <laughs> mm-hmm. anywhere that they are in the world. Um, and they're, my friends, they were in my grade that I was helping, and their aunt said, hey, would you be interested in tutoring me in English? I'll pay you. And I mm-hmm. said, of course I will. <laughs> so I went to the library, grabbed an ESL book, and that's kind of where I got started when I was 17. Wow. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. then I got my BA in teaching English as a second language from university. Um, And then I did a master's in global and international education. And I started teaching in the public schools right out of college um, in the Washington, D.C. area for a Mm -hmm. while, um, six years. And then I moved to uh, Columbia, South America, and taught English for the government there. And then I moved back to Boston, which is where I'm from, where I currently teach at a high school. Um, And I also have my business teaching English to adults. And the lower levels, regarding the lower levels, I've always had a heart for working with the lower levels because I feel like this is the most vulnerable time for people, um, especially when they're new to the country. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really, really hard, everything all at once, on top of that, not knowing the language. Um, So I really wanted to be there to kind of love and support them and give them a good foundation on their English journey. Um, And... I actually worked my second year of teaching with a group called SLIFE. Um, The acronym is for Students with Limited or Interrupted Formal Education. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have a lot of students from Central America and even Brazil that I worked with that had interruptions in education um, for whatever reason, violence in their country, um, gang activity, political conflict, poverty, um, the idea that girls, you know, didn't really need to go to school after a certain age because they you know, were, would be more useful at home. So things like that. And they were really far below their peers, um, even in, especially in literacy in their first language. And mm-hmm. that really created a barrier for transfer to the L2, the, the second to English. Um, and so I worked with them for about five years. Wow. Um, I actually did my master's thesis on these group of students because not only are they level one, they have gaps in literacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I, I've just really made that my niche just to be with um, the beginning. Mm-hmm. Of course, That's I love amazing. all my students, but I have mm-hmm. most of my career been with the lower level students. Yeah, lots of great yeah. experience. That's in it great. Sure. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of teachers actually seem a little intimidated by the lower levels um, because they're, they're kind of like, well, what do I teach? What do I do? 
um, you know, how do you overcome the language barrier when you're teaching students who have very little or maybe even zero uh, in terms of their English ability? Yeah, so I've taught, um, especially when I was in Washington, D.C. area, people from all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, and I love to do icebreakers with my students and they can be nonverbal especially before COVID, I did this game called the human knot where they'd all have to hold hands and then become like untangled and mm -hmm. make actually a circle without letting go of any of their hands. And things like that, even though they, they couldn't really speak to each other, they're like pointing, like you go under, like you step mm -hmm. over, like turn around. It kind of just like loosened up the tension a little bit. Um, and so a lot of nonverbal things initially. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, for instruction, a lot of pictures, a lot of videos, right. um, pictures that they can associate with uh, certain, you know, greetings and any type of vocabulary or actions. Um, I do a lot of videos with uh, real life conversations so that they can see what, you know, we have a visual memory. So when we see the conversation in the picture right. of what's happening, it's easier to remember or it's, you know, they can see, okay, this is when, how you meet someone. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to use a lot of realia objects, um, you know, show and tell kind of stuff, uh, TPR, total physical response, you know, get mm -hmm. up, sit down, different commands. And of course, a lot of modeling, um, even, uh, students of all ages need to see what they're expected to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so um, I do a lot of modeling with conversations or actions. And of course, we have the translation tool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I try to use that as kind of a last resort. Um, mm -hmm. I do speak Spanish and Portuguese. And right now, I really only have those two groups where I, where I teach. Um, but I think speaking the language helps students feel more connected to me. Yeah. Um, so even for teachers, they don't need to, you know, learn a com <laughs> the complete language, but just learning a phrase or two in the right. student's language helps them feel like, oh, you care about me. Like right. you are interested in my culture. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that really speaks volumes to them showing that you, you know, want to connect with your students. So, so I would true, say that yeah. for teachers. Yeah, that's Great so advice. true. Phrase or two. We talked about yeah. that last episode too, about creating those connections and how important that mm. might be. Now, you seem to have a lot of creative ways and for your instructions and like types of activities. Now, when it comes to dealing with those students that can be really frustrated because they can't quite get their ideas across or, you know, they can't really get um, or have that same ability they have in their own language. How do you deal with that frustration? What are some creative ways teachers can deal with that? Yeah, this is a really hard question. Um, and most of my career, I've, ha I've worked with most, mostly Spanish or Portuguese speakers. But once in a while, I get one, maybe two students that spoke a completely different language. And you know, we tried to do our best. My kids, I'm saying my students did mm -hmm. their best to try to include them. Um, I like to play a lot of games. I feel like games are universal, mm -hmm. um, you know, with teams and this also creates collaboration. Um, mm -hmm. and so they kind right. of are forced to participate and somehow communicate. Um, and this is a little off topic, but I, I had a, a boy from China once with all my Central American boys and they played this game where they would like high five each other as hard as they could. And mm -hmm. like not during class time, of course, but you know, with boys, I feel like it's so easy. They, they don't even need to really talk to be friends. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. So I feel like, you know, even though they can't communicate right away, mm -hmm. um, you know, 
having just smile and just nonverbal things can help them to feel like lessen the tension. Right. Um, and of course, as a last resource, they would use the translator. I, there's nothing wrong with the translator. It's just, I like to try to have my kids figure out any way they can to tell me what they need to tell me um, before before going to that, but that's always an option as well. Yeah, it makes sense. You're mm. trying to foster that that independence as well, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and then the think the thinking yeah. in English for problem solving as well, I think, is huge. So we have a lot of um, we have a lot of you know of our listeners, Nicole, who teach just exclusively online and teach online students. So, what kind of activities or what kind of um, you know strategies could uh, teachers use if they're teaching online for lower level students and lower level classes? Yeah. Um, so there are so many. So I'm gonna just I just picked out a few that I use a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So the first one is very basic and simple: is using um, sentence frames. You know, modeling the conversation. Um, showing them what you want them to say, having them listen and repeat, and then reading the conversation with a partner. Um, on mm-hmm. Zoom, we have the breakout rooms. And then, you know, be, that one is very basic and simple. Um, one thing that I found really works well that I didn't do at first was scaffolding questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like a four kind of tier system that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, the first is you start with a yes or no question. So they have to answer yes or no. The second is they answer either or. Um, next, mm. they answer who, what, where, and then the highest level will, will be uh, how or why. And I used to go right to the why, and then I'd get all these blank stares, and so I'm like, there needs to be a way to get them from A to D with instead of just jumping right to D. Mm. Um, so I'm going to give an example. If you're, say, you're discussing survival in a cold habitat, um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking because I have a science class. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might show a picture of a polar bear. Um, and the yes/no question would be, might be: Is this a panda bear? Is this a black bear? Um, are these bears the same species? If you're showing two different bear, mm. two different animals, um, are they in the same environment? So you can show two different pictures. Um, and then the next, so this gives them okay. All they have to say is yes or no. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go to either or questions: Are the bears healthy or unhealthy? Is this mm-hmm. environment cold or warm? So this gives them vocabulary. Um, and also they only have to pick, they get a 50% chance of getting it right. So that takes a little bit of like the, I have to create and produce a whole sentence right away. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. and then we move to the who, what, where questions. Uh, what is different between picture one and picture two? Mm. Now they have to open up their (laughs) having a little bit longer sentences, um, a little more vocabulary who looks happier. Well, -hmm. they've already learned, uh, the polar bear. They've right. learned that vocabulary. So now they have that to be, be able to decide what their answer is. Um, what do the bears in picture one need? Mm-hmm. Okay, we, we're assuming they've learned some basic vocabulary. Okay, they need food, water. Um, and then finally, the last year, the how and why. Why do bears in picture two have a better chance of surviving? Mm-hmm. Why does the polar bear in the snow have more offspring than the polar bear in the grass? Um, so... So that's a lot, you know, but to, but I found that instead of jumping right to the last question, this gives them a chance to think critically, um, build vocabulary and build their ideas. Yeah. And as a teacher, Nicole, do you find that that can be something you can kind of stretch out? So instead of spending five or 10 minutes, you can maybe spend 30 or 40 minutes, right? Depending on how far you want to take it. Would that be something that teachers could utilize? 
Oh, absolutely. So you're saying that if they wanted to to stretch out those questions and kind of make a lesson of the whole thing, mm-hmm. um, absolutely. I, yeah. I, you know, that process sometimes would take a whole 30 minutes, 40 right. minutes, right. Um, especially if it's completely new vocabulary for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes sense because you could you could like stretch the stages out a bit, right? And, and do the, mm-hmm. the more controlled and more set up stages if take a bit longer. Yeah, that's great. It's, it's something simple that a lot of us might not think of. Like you said, you just go straight into the why questions, which are incredibly hard for these students. That's great. Now you've had a lot of, um, given us a lot of tips and talked to some of the challenges. Now, what are the, some of the best things about teaching these beginner levels, you think? Oh, the best things. There's so many things. I really love them. And I, it's, it's funny to me when teachers say, oh, this is challenging for me because for me, I just, I flourish in this area. And I think once you learn skills to work with these students, it doesn't have to be difficult. Right. You just need a bag of tools and then you can move forward. Um, and, you know, level one students, they typically do understand that learning English is important, you know, even if they're not super eager to learn or they're shy, they know that this is an important tool to have in their, in their life. Um, and I really try to make them see that English is not better than their language, but it is a tool that opens doors for greater opportunities in the future. Mm. Um, and because in my area near Boston, we have an influx of students arriving pretty much all year long. Um, my students are really good at making the new students feel welcome because they have empathy. They, they've been in their shoes. Um, so I really love that aspect of them. And also when I see them go from zero English and being like totally scared to speak, to feel more comfortable communicating and, you know, not, not having that deer in headlights look, it's just really a comforting thing to know that you're making a difference in their lives. Yeah. It's so rewarding. And they also feel so grateful. I find, right. The lower level students are a lot more grateful to you as a teacher. Absolutely. Um, I had a student come to me today. She's like, we're going to plan a surprise party for this teacher. Can you help us? They're so (laughs) fun. Yeah. They just really love their teachers because we're their first teachers in this country, you know, sometimes. So that's great. That's amazing. It reminds me of when I was doing something similar with new international students to Canada. And like, mm-hmm. you don't realize the impression that you leave on those students and they'll always remember you True. hopefully, hopefully in a good way, but mm-hmm. they'll always remember you <laughs> for the contribution you make. So um, thank you so much for all the advice, Nicole. So for our listeners who maybe they're just starting out on their journey or they've just started teaching, you know, lower level students, what are some resources or some places that they can go to get materials and get some, you know, maybe some guidance on how to better teach uh, lower level students? I would say, um, you know, YouTube has a lot of great materials. If you find some, I love Mark Kulek because he's conversation based. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe you can, yeah, leave a link to his uh, YouTube channel. Um, And he does very quick conversations, quick grammar tips that are simple with pictures. Um, And, you know, having a good picture dictionary, uh, a book with conversations, if, you know, you're starting tutoring, um, I'm a big fan of National Geographic Cengage resources. Um, They have a lot of great like listening and speaking activities of all different levels and for whatever content you're doing. Mm -hmm. And Canada actually has a great resource that I use all the time Hmm. called Ellie. It used to be called ESL Library. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you know it. Yes, I do. (laughs) Um, It's completely online, has a variety of levels, activities, topics, videos, and students can respond multiple choice, matching, writing, and speaking. And the great thing is they can review um, and correct their own answers. So they can essentially work independently 
Um, and you do have to pay, but it's totally worth it. In my opinion, I, I don't think we always have to reinvent the wheel. There is mm-hmm. so much out there. Um, yeah. I also have a website that has a list of 43 fantastic ESL resources for students that I use all the time wow. that um, we can link um, mm-hmm. for new teachers. <laughs> and That's it awesome. has some of my favorite websites that you can take a look at. That's great. Yeah, if you're listening to the episode, you can go to our website. We'll leave it in the description for the episode there. That's great. Yeah. Thank you so much for all this. It's been really, really helpful, I think, especially to those that are just starting out or teachers that are feeling a bit overwhelmed by by the lower levels and the challenges there. Uh, but how can our listeners get in touch with you if they if they would like to reach out and uh, maybe get some more advice and, and just share their thoughts on this? Sure. The best way to find me is on Instagram at teacher Nicole underscore English, um, where I'm posting daily content for students, um, mostly for adults, but it can be for all levels. And I'm pretty quick to respond to messages. So you can just feel free to send me a DM and I will uh, get back to you as soon as I can. Sounds Wonderful. great. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners will get a lot out of this and be much better prepared, I hope, for uh, teaching lower level students. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I wish everyone luck on their journeys with newbie ESL students. Great. Thank you. All right, Nicole, thank you so much for sharing so many wonderful tips and advice on teaching lower level students. I really think this is going to help a lot of our teachers to work with a wider range of students. Yes, some really useful pointers there indeed. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us on Instagram at ESL Talk Podcast. And you can also send us an email to esltalkpodcast at gmail.com. Or now you can visit our website to access all of our previous episodes from seasons one, two, and three for free. Just go to esl-talk.com. And you can find us individually on Instagram. Find me at Learning with Faye. Faye is F-E-Y. Or I'm Daniel Teacher. Thanks again for listening, guys. See you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for even more ESL teaching content.